podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, on a night where Jesus converts past Pope and pleases Romans everywhere by being on the end of a cross, uh, we're back on YouTube. Uh, yes, it's a welcome uh, to everybody who's here. Welcome to WGTA Live. As you can see, our good friend Marco uh, has helped us out with the design, and FPL Dave and Pet at Fancy Football Index Guide have uh, helped us uh, work out how to use some fancy new graphics, and I don't know how to make the software work, I think. Um, so, we're going to run through Talisman and Value a bit today to try to give an update on the them over the first third of the season uh, don't worry listeners will try and uh, describe the fancy graphics we have here as well as answering some questions from twitter and so i hope that sounds all right tonight i know it's a bit late as well after the amazon football were just finished um, we'll have a chat as well as we can uh, we'll have a chat with chat i should have said um, as well as we can too and thanks very much for josh telling uh, for modding tonight nick welcome back to the youtube welcome back to the youtube space you're right mate Hey mate, yeah, I'm not too bad actually. Um, had a little bit of a time off work to celebrate my birthday, and uh, it's been a useful period to recharge my batteries, and also uh, presented plenty of opportunity to mentally prepare for this significant period of FPL fixture congestion. So, um, just to say who we are, you can see it on the screen as well if you're watching on YouTube. But we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl and at wgta underscore nick and make sure to listen to us on spotify itunes google play or even youtube this week as well um so shall we start with the game week reviews then um so i'll go first uh, get it over and done with i've also got a dad watch update which uh, we're going to move to this section too so um have you got my team on the screen now tom yeah it's up so, yeah, as you can see, um, for the guys on YouTube, had a bit of a shocker, um, 47 points. We'll get this over quickly. Um, I captained Mane this week. Um, last week, my Trent Alexander-Arnold gamble didn't pay off. So I swapped to Mane, and this week it was uh, TAA that got the points and uh, Mane blank. So, yeah, that was a bit rubbish. Um, just not a great week all in all. Rashford lost his goal, became assist, and... Um, Sterling got returns, but he was outscored by KDB yet again. So that 50-50 transfer didn't pay off. Um, and obviously, yeah, he, blanked tonight. he blanked tonight as well. So he may well be out of my team. Um, I think it might be time to get rid of him, considering um, his price and, and value, which we'll move on to a bit, a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, should we do? Um, are we doing dads next? Yeah, so it's dad watch. Not, not a good week for you. It's a, two consecutive weeks that haven't gone very well. But you know, we've got two free transfers now, haven't you? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's, it's, I'm guessing that you'll be looking to make some drastic changes to that side. But let's see how Ian's doing. Uh, yeah, so um, we'll move quickly on to him. And he scored 55 points. And he was moaning that he had a bad game week, but he still managed to outscore both of us this, this particular game week. I think he was a little bit um, frustrated uh, with the dunk points on the bench. So, uh, you know, that was a little bit unfortunate um, to have him on the bench. And I know he played him over Rico this game week as well. So uh, a little bit of a gamble there, perhaps, unless he, of course, um, scores a brace against Arsenal, perhaps from two free kicks. Um, we'll have to see but um yeah Vardy just continuing to do bits for him um, I think he gave him the armband didn't he so you know Vardy can um getting 12 points for him otherwise um it's okay game week not much to say Son and De Bruyne also getting points sort of down now to to 50k so a little bit of a red arrow there he's still doing all right did he play Rico this week nine pointer I think it's still on for Rico again 
No, he, he benched Rico, so he played Dunk. So, uh, yeah. Oh, this is something your dad Probably, would do. Yeah. So Rico's having one of those very jammy seasons, turning up for nine points, having been substituted, um, and then them losing the clean sheet, of course. So, uh, yeah, all right week for him, I guess. Yeah, no, uh, no, pretty good. Unfortunately, IU hasn't come through for him this week either. Uh, on to me then. Uh, the the green arrows continue. Um, I got very, very lucky this week to get a green arrow. Um, sorry, this is last week now, actually. Of course, we're in a new week already. Um, but yeah, I got very, very lucky to escape with a green arrow as such. I didn't captain Vardy, as you can see. And the fact that final minute Nacho winner uh, took free bonus away from Vardy, uh, which meant that it went from a, oh no, you know, 18 points to okay, well, you know, he scored one goal, but that's all right. Uh, so yeah, a little bit of an escape that did give me the green arrow just about. I think I rose about 50k places. I'm, I'm now 10, I think it's 10 or 15 points ahead of you, Nick, something like that. Um, which is again a very, very rare situation. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. Um, but yeah, you know, Son with a pair of assists, um, and Kevin De Bruyne as well, and both of them got 10 points, and TAA as well, so a pair of pairs a pair of a pair of assists um, and uh, yeah unfortunately my captain Mane blanked there was one moment of match of the day I think I, I genuinely flinched when the ball went through to him and he just hit it straight at Ryan that that should have been kind of you know the goal at least that, that we needed which would have seen us comfortably outscore Vardy but but there we go um, taking no uh, uh, no risk this week though and going straight on to Vardy but yeah no I'm fairly pleased with where I am um, no doubt I'll shoot myself in the foot spectacularly again uh, sometime soon as I always seem to around this time of season um, I'm going out drinking tomorrow uh, with you Nick as well so God, I'm guessing that's going to go really really wrong Right, so now we've got all these fancy new graphics, I suppose it's uh, time to move on to the main topic. And uh, I guess the main topic this week is, uh, yeah, you see what I'm about to do. Um, but the main topic this week is uh, talisman theory and value. Um, so they're two things that we keep like to keep tabs on here at WGTA, uh, two of perhaps our kind of custom stats, custom ways of looking at the game of uh, fancy football or the game of FPL, um, which hopefully using these kind of... Uh, this way of displaying things will be able to kind of get over to you better than just kind of audio as i said earlier if you are listening via audio we're going to give you a uh, a little bit of a description um, of each thing that we're going through so you, but i you know, recommend that you watch it just so you can kind of see what we're talking about a little bit better um first thing to say though obviously is this this uh, may not be for everybody um I'm not going to waste too much time on caveats. I'm just, you just have to assume that we thought of all of the yes buts. But it's safe to say we're, we're not making any claims to have solved FPL with these things. We find it interesting and useful and hope you do too. If you don't, I really don't care. Um, many thanks, uh, I should say here, <laughs> to uh, our main stato, Mitchell Sterling. Congratulations on your new arrival. Uh, ben at FPL Shiny, Primer Aditya, FPL Vran and uh, Vastav who collects, uh, collects uh, and collates FPL data on GitHub. So to start with talisman theory, what is a talisman? Um, just to kind of kick off, uh, talisman theory is the idea that in every team there is one player who scores the most points. Yeah, that, that's really simple, isn't it? It's hardly groundbreaking. Uh, but what we did, which is a little bit different, is we actually tested it. Uh, we used old data over the last couple of summers and proved it, basically. There are players like Raul Jimenez, there's players like Riyad Mahrez, Pascal Gross, who are, who are talisman. Uh, you can read the full-length articles on our website. Uh, the way we do this is remove all non-individual points, such as appearance points, clean sheets, etc., etc. And these really are WGTA's own custom stats, this and value, as I mentioned earlier. Though, of course, the term isn't unique to us, like FFS have their own data based on football stats. But this is really about taking the data that FPL gives you as a game and looking at that game data to, to create something different. 
So we've got the first third of the season's days to show you. Um, but I think, yeah, just to start, Nick, one thing, and it's always something that comes up, and we do explain in the articles, is appearance points and why we remove them to find our talisman. So why do we remove them, Nick? So, yeah, as part of our talisman theory, we've not only excluded the appearance points, but also the, the clean sheet points as well. And the loss points for defenders when they concede more than two goals. And we are aware, obviously, that this penalises defenders when you are looking at the talisman, but that's not really the focus of the talisman piece. The focus of the talisman piece is to pull out those key players in the team that have the greatest impacts, you know, the, the leading men, essentially. And uh, I guess if you use a hypothetical example, it would be Aiden Hazard, um, perhaps if he'd only played three quarters of the season or even half the season, but was delivering week in, week out um, when he did play in terms of goals and assists, you'd understandably expect him to be the talisman at Chelsea and you wouldn't expect him to be outshone by the likes of Kepper or Aspilicueta just for being ever-present and just the virtue <laughs> of turning up week in, week out. I mean, the point of our talisman analysis is not to uncover those players who provide value for money. That will be covered um, a little bit later when we talk a little bit about value and you, you'll see all those defenders stick out in terms of their, their value. But it's about the individual players who make the difference to their teams in terms of the end products that they, um, they deliver. Yeah, certainly. And I think it is really, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, we're not trying to solve FPL with this. And Talisman Theory really helps you to identify, and we'll speak about this a little bit later in the discussion, um, really the, the player you should be aiming to bring into your team. Uh, but as I mentioned, we have to look at um, which players are scoring the most points from teams. And to do that, we also need to, we also need to know um, in terms of teams, how many points are scored in terms of those kind of individual non-appearance points or individual points we've put them here. Um as you can see, there are, it's kind of the usual suspects in some ways. Um, There's a bit of a rudimentary bar chart, but for those listening, um, it shows the, in, the FPL individual points by teams, top by Man City at the moment, 323, uh, Leicester in second, Liverpool in third, Chelsea in fourth, and those guys are all about 200 at the moment. After Liverpool, it drops off a little bit, so then you get Chelsea and Spurs, Aston Villa um, in, in a surprise entry in sixth, um, Arsenal, and all the teams are kind of together in one big clump, all the way down to 111, um, where there's a big gap between uh, the bottom, the second bottom club, Crystal Palace and Watford. Watford have just got 66 individual points so far this season. They've been really, really bad. Uh, but the one that does stick out here is Villa. Um, Adam Hotcroft would be very, very happy to see uh, that because they're sixth overall for individual points with the likes of Grealish, El Ghazi, uh, McGinn and Hurricane are all contributing to them. Other teams, um, you know, Arsenal and United, they're really being held up by one, one individual, as we'll see later. But yeah, I mean, anything that really stands out here, Nick, it's uh, yeah, quite a, as, you, as you'd expect, I suppose, in some ways. Yeah, I think so. I think there's nothing really that's particularly obvious, you know, to point out other than what you mentioned. It's the top sides, isn't it, that have been delivering in terms of the FPL points. Manchester City really leading the way in terms of individual points by team. But when it comes to talisman, and we'll cover that in a little bit, it's a little bit more blurred, isn't it? But then you've got the likes of Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, even even Spurs. Um, you know, Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea in particular, all having really good seasons. And our teams are basically full of players from all four of those clubs, aren't they? And it's no surprise, really, when you look at the amount of points they're getting within the team. Tons of points. So, um, yeah, I think it's a bit obvious there. I think um, Aston Villa, as you mentioned, the uh, the other standout team, you know, the likes of Greenish and McGinn. When we're looking at the sort of fourth midfielders in our team and that, that sort of awkward price bracket, especially this season, the likes of Greenish and um, McGinn and even El Ghazi are, are really sticking out, aren't they? 
yeah yeah it is 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 uh, i was a bit surprised by that and i went back to check the data but yeah the Grealish, uh, aston villa are all there just because uh, there are so many different point scorers uh, but let's break that down into players shall we uh, and this is a look at just kind of individual individual points who scored the most effectively uh, for those listening vardy is at the top 82 in individual points scored so far uh, which is 18 more than anybody else um, this is kind of a case of wishing I took my own advice actually um, it sounds a little bit churlish to say now but I did highlight this back in the summer that Vardy was an absolute star of talisman theory and uh, yeah it, it really has shown over the last few weeks again it sounds like I'm uh, uh, claiming uh, credit for a bandwagon that I didn't really jump on until just about three weeks ago but absolutely monstrous performance so far by the Leicester man uh, after him it's uh, Mane and De Bruyne um, I think tonight would have done no good for De Bruyne um, just the, just a clean sheet for him um, so uh, he and uh, Mane, 64, Mane second 64 De Bruyne third with 63 and then it kind of just goes down to players that you'd expect Aubameyang uh, Abraham, Rashford, Aguero, Son, Salah, Puki, um, who shows up a little bit. And down the bottom as well, there are some players who are maybe a bit newer to this. So uh, the likes of, uh, you know, Mousse, uh, just just kind of slipping into the top 20. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are guys who I, I guess you'd expect to be there, Nick. I mean, Aubameyang and Rashford catch my eye. They've got low scoring teams, as we saw in the, in, in the overall points scored by team. Um, but they are high scoring individuals, aren't they? So immediately we kind of see that some players are uh, talisman um jumping out just from these two kind of data points yeah definitely i think yeah when you look at the individual point scores in terms of percentage of team points which i think you're going to move on to in a second rashford and Aubameyang and really really stick out in terms of the talisman for their teams but i think in terms of the the first chart displayed with vardy showing those 82 points i think that that form has really caught us all by surprise to be honest but by looking at that effective ownership in terms of the captain pick this week, 181.470%, it's just absolutely mental with um, with Watford at home. It's, it's no surprise, really, that people are looking at this guy when he just sticks out like a sore thumb in terms of the individual points he's scoring compared to everyone else. And, uh, you know, I, I did a little bit of maths, um, a quick bit of maths anyway, outside of what our stats guys have produced. And I saw that he'd, um, he's set to score 298 points over the course of 38 and, uh, games been over the course of the season if he actually um, keeps up this current rate of form that he's in. Mm. So, yeah, Jamie Jamie Vardy really, really smashing it. And I've been punished a little bit by being so late to um, getting him in and also late to captaining him too. Yeah, oh, I wish I got the uh, I got that a little bit better. I really do. I I wish I'd gotten on that a little bit earlier and just taken my own advice with a talisman theory. But as you can see, Vardy absolutely smashing it right now. Um, can you guys see the? You guys can sorry. You guys can see the show. You can guys can see the see the slides right. So I'm just just looking at chat. People saying there's a little bit of a. Uh, I can uh, see him. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm just going to assume that it's all okay and that people are getting hypnotised for other reasons, probably just by our amazing presence and bands. <laughs> oh, they've got the "Will Be With You" shortly screen. Have they? Oh no, that's what. Oh, teething difficulties. I think in the future I'm just going to. Um, yeah, this is Ted, we... Josh. Josh has it. Cool. Uh, this is, why, why we barely do YouTube? Just because it's uh, it's always a, a lot more of a technological pain in the bum uh, than uh, just just talking quietly offline to each other and then releasing it as a fait accompli. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Um, it's all working. It's, it sounds like they just need to do a refresh. I also I know what you mean about about the light. By the way, the problem is is that I've got a light like kind of the, otherwise the room is way too dark and 
but if I shine it right on me, it looks like I'm in the hostage video. Like, yeah, please let me out. Um, so, <coughs> I'm never too sure where to put it. Because <laughs> otherwise you can't, you can't see me, which is probably going to be a good thing for most people, right? But if I do that, it just doesn't work. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll put it kind of there. And then, at least this way, you can tell if I'm being attacked. Because I'll, my, my shadow will move or something like that. Or maybe my shadow will start doing something else entirely. <laughs> Oh, where were we? Completely lost the thread now to some extent. Um, yeah, I think you just said about value, didn't you? Um, but let's look at another way of looking at that data, um, which is to get us back on track, uh, to look at team players who have scored a high percentages of their team's total of their team's total points. So, for example, Man United earlier on, they scored um, a fairly meagre amount of uh, over individual points overall. Um, they scored 140. Rashford has scored a ridiculous 36.4% of all of Manchester United's kind of individual points, which is uh, pretty crazy, actually. 79 points, 7 goals and 5 assists, including 2 missed pens. That's more than a third of United's points. And second, you've got Pookie. Again, uh, for, those listening, for those listening, he's over 33%. He scored over 33% of his team's uh, individual points so 35.7 percent and he and Campwell have scored over 60 percent of Norwich's individual attacking points which is absolutely ridiculous and Krull also appears so three players have got basically all of Norwich's points this season uh, which aren't appearance which is pretty staggering uh, Aubameyang's in third with 35 percent and Ingzi um, is in fourth as well he's also got over 33 percent of all of his teams attacking or slash individual points uh, James and Planet FPL said he was showing talismanic tendencies which definitely seems true here the only other thing that I want to just mention quickly is lol at Foster. Uh, Foster is, uh, yeah, he's a sixth there uh, with 30% of his team's uh, non-appearance points, which is absolutely ridiculous. It just shows how mentally bad they have been this year. Um, yeah, and also Lundstram, as you, as you mentioned, is uh, kind of hanging out there as well. Yeah, I think for me, the perhaps the the most surprising thing to to pull out was the um, the reliance that Manchester United appeared to have on on Marcus Rashford so far this campaign. He just really is their key man, isn't he? With thirty six point four percent of those individual points scored, um, I think it's obvious that um, you know the likes of Alexis and Lukaku leaving has really impacted Manchester United. We've also seen Martial not really step up, and um, last season it was actually Pogba that was their talisman, but he's pretty much spent the entire of the campaign with an injury so um, I think we'll have to see there in terms of um, Rashford but it, you know it puts him in good stead to be honest um, as a member of my team a player that I was considering perhaps even getting rid of straight away to see him right there at the top shows that he is going to be really important for them over that Christmas break um, as you mentioned Norwich very interesting pull out as well you know Campwell and Puki really holding the team together and Tim Krul as well off the back of those saves and penalty saves that he's he's made so far this season um, but yeah I think with Sheffield United you mentioned Mousset um, the likes of Mousset sort of only 5.1 million in FPL has got five goals and three assists to his name he's also the likes of Danny Ings and um, Jordan Ayew um, sort of playing really sort of pivotal roles in their team there are other players that you can fit into your team quite nicely um, over the Christmas period period where there's going to be a little bit of a fixture congestion isn't there and you think actually when uh, Mousset was first signed for Sheffield United we didn't really know if he was going to be a sure starter I think he only actually had one goal in, to his name in Premier League history which we kind of scoffed at the um, the price they paid for him at the time but he's really starting to show um, uh, you know a key, key part of that Sheffield United attack and a very cheap um, FPL player as well. Yeah remember this is a uh... 
in some ways this isn't quite comparable it's kind of a liberal democrat way of uh, presenting data uh, because i mean rashford is a percentage of the whole of his team's points so comparing yeah. him to pookie isn't quite kind of comparing apples with apples it's kind of the percentages of work a little bit differently than just looking at the raw count um, but still it's a nice way of kind of presenting what's going on um we do have a, a better, a nice way of looking at this, which is basically to ask which teams are the most talismanic. So we've now I've got the information, team by team, we can see kind of which are the most talismanic, which which ones are the more are most relying on one particular individual. The best way to do that is by comparing first and second and noticing the difference between the two. As you can see, or Bamiyang, um, who's at the top, um, compared to Lacazette, Rashford uh, compared to uh, James or Martial. And Richarlison compared to Bernard, who incredibly is the second place guy for Everton, which is, again, where's he been in the, in the FPL conversation? I'm sure there was one account that said, differential, Bernard, must sign this guy. He's very, very small and Brazilian. Um, but the reality probably is that he has completely escaped our, our ideas. Um, but as you can see, those three teams are, are really fantastic uh, in terms of the talisman theory because they're so heavily reliant on one individual scoring the majority of their points compared to somebody else. Uh, in second, though, you've got Ings uh, and you've got Vardy. Uh, Ings has scored fifteen point nine percent of uh, has scored fifteen point nine percent more points than Ward Prowse, who's the second kind of talisman guy, I guess, the sloppy second for Saints. And Vardy, uh, twenty seven point six percent of his team's individual points are mentioned. Um, yeah, it's a little bit low. It's a little bit. Uh, it's it's fifteen point five percent. I think the difference between him and Madison. Uh, and Vardy, I guess, comes out as a bit of a real hero here because Leicester have scored loads and loads of individual points. But he still scored fifteen point five percent more than the man in second in Madison. In some ways, at the moment, he's the perfect FPL asset. Certainly, um, looking at Talisman theory, because he's playing for a team doing so well with lots of attacking output. We saw at the start there's lots of in, there's lots of individual points scored by the team, but on his own, um, he's also got that clear margin of talismanhood. I suppose compare that with Liverpool and City. Um, there's 5.8% difference between Mane and Salah. Uh, and between De Bruyne and Aguero, there's a 3.7% difference. Sterling's third. Um, he's, a, I think, it's a 14.2%. I've got in the notes there. So I think that, really, you're looking looking at this. So there are a few teams that are the usual suspects in some ways. Maybe Richarlison would be a bit of a surprise, but I think that's just because we don't really look at Everton. So we're not really keeping tabs of what's going on there. Um, but there are some teams that are really emerging at the moment as being pretty reliant on one fella um, as you mentioned Nick it's probably a good thing you've got Rashford in your team and other teams uh, you know like Burnley for example have no discernible uh, talisman but you do have the Barnes train who is a talisman in of himself yeah exactly I think when you relate it to FPL when you talk about Manchester City I think tonight's game is just a, a clear indication of the lack of a true talisman um, in a sort of a game week where Manchester City score four goals and, and there's nothing for, for Sterling and De Bruyne, which most of us own. And uh, a lot of us would have found that very frustrating, um, especially those that actually are doubled up with both Sterling and De Bruyne to see City score those four goals. But you've, you've got the likes of Gabriel Jesus, you've even got the likes of David Silva, Bernardo Silva and Riyad Mahrez all, all delivering points in terms of FPL attacking points. But you know, nothing for the sort of the main men that we own and Aguero being injured as well just shows that there's such a, a depth of options at that particular club. And and when you talk about sort of the Christmas period, it, it does put a little bit of um, fear into the owners of the likes of Sterling and think actually, you know, they've, they've got so much strength and depth that do they even need in this player that's not particularly performing to um, the highest standards to even play and perhaps 
Sterling might be one of those players that does get a rest over the Christmas period. And when you compare it to some of these other clubs, for instance, we mentioned Pookie at Norwich, but, you know, the likes of even perhaps, um, you know, obviously Rashford as well and Ings. You think, actually, these these clubs are really dependent on these players. So they're going to start week in, week out, um, compared to Manchester City, where you, you do worry a little bit that there's going to be more rotation. Yeah, certainly. I mean, at the moment as well, it's worth stressing we're only uh, was it a third of the way through the season. So normally when we look at this sort of stuff, we do it probably in this sort of environment or on the pod. And it's not we're not saying this is the end, but we're not saying this is definitely how it is because obviously the season's in progress. Literally a game has just finished. Um, so it's not the case that these that these are the final scores. It's just how it's looking at the moment. And things can change so quickly. Like, for example, if Tarko gets another couple of goals, he'll rock it all the way up to be fighting the Burnley guys. You've got bloody, you know, Jetro Willems, who's currently the talisman for Newcastle. Okay, Newcastle rubbish. So um, maybe that's not that, that might continue. Who knows? Um, but... There are a few things here that you know I certainly wouldn't expect uh, West Ham, for example, to keep being that rubbish. Well, maybe they will. Um, I certainly wouldn't expect Foster to keep being the talisman for for, uh, for, for Watford. Uh, maybe he will. And I'd, I'd expect some other players to emerge. For example, last year, um, Vardy wasn't doing particularly well in the middle and then completely exploded after Rodgers came in. So there's always lots of different factors which uh, create, uh, create the conditions for a talisman to become important. So, Nick... Why are talisman important? How does it impact your FPL strategy? Uh, well, talisman, as I said, they're, they're the leaders in, in their teams. And if they struggle, then that team will also struggle. So, you know, you, you do look at the talisman, you think these are going to be the, the main men within the team. And, and you just look, for instance, like you mentioned Watford. Watford are a team that are in absolute dire straits. And the fact that their talisman is, is Ben Foster, who's generated 30.3% of their own team individual points. It's just an obvious concern. And you, you start to look at a team like Watford, and you say, definitely don't want to cover them in, in my FPL team. And, you know, I made some personal points on Manchester City as well. The lack of a discernible talisman does put a little bit of worry in the heads of FPL managers. I think actually, you know, from a, from going sort of a double up at Manchester City, could we even talk about not owning any Manchester City players at all over this Christmas period? Is that um, something that some FPL managers are starting to consider, especially those that, like myself, who own Sterling, but don't perhaps fancy bringing in De Bruyne and thinking about, you know, the likes of maybe Delhi Alley or or Son Min, but I think obviously I think um, talisman is is very important um, a theory to kind of analyse and just you know looking at those key men in the clubs and trying and trying to pull out the uh, the key players. Yeah, certainly. I think a, a good case of that is Danny Ings um, recently, just because I mean he wasn't doing he wasn't doing particularly well. I think he scored a couple of goals, but with the upcoming fixtures, and you kind of think okay, fixtures can be get form. His stats were okay, um, but I think kind of last uh, he's got Watford he's yeah he's got Norwich he had what he had Watford now he's got Norwich Newcastle West Ham and Villa um because his well I guess uh, another way of looking at it is the analog stats his XGI is, is so high and he is the talisman there you'll be thinking well that's a good time for Saints to score goals who should I be looking at I should be looking at the talisman who is that that's Danny Ings all right that's probably a good excuse to get him in and kind of from that sort of uh, from that sort of point of view there are a lot of teams that you would be looking at to fill in those sorts of gaps like talisman theory does tend to fit in around that kind of third or fourth midfielder like Richarlison and Altovich when he was midfielder was a good example um I think Millie was actually Crystal Palace's uh, talisman last year and IU is at the moment but I signed Zaha hoping that he would 
kind of break into that talismanic status or at least try to put himself in a shop window uh, to be bought by somebody else uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, so a lot of the time there is the kind of the, the tension between um, the fixtures and the fact that a, a player is a talisman. Not, actually, no, not the tension. The fact that the two work together, don't they? Um, I don't know why I went there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the other kind of thing to mention as well is, is Rikering, um, which for non-Star Trek fans is uh, when you choose the number two when the number when you want to get the captain um i think often we do do this don't we i can't quite get to um you know richardson so i'm gonna buy bernard maybe maybe not that um but you know what i mean uh, so like do you do you often try to get the man in that you want or have you ever tried to kind of uh have you ever tried to settle with somebody just because they're a little bit cheaper and they're easier to easier to fit like i've bought pedro in the past when i should have bought hazard and i kind of watched hazard score the hat trick and just think oh why did i settle for pedro well, I think I've already done that a little bit this season, to be honest, Tom. When I went for Madison, and I thought that J Mads uh, Madison could cover could <laughs> cover her, uh, could cover oh, Vardy. Everyone's, everyone's going to stop watching now. <laughs> but I, he, I thought he could cover him, but he really couldn't, to be honest. You know, a player like Vardy, who's um, the key talisman at Leicester, fit firing. Um, as as FPL Chance put in a chat, he's peaked talisman. He's angry, driven, and, and rested. Uh, and uh, I thought Madison could cover. Him. I thought you know Madison could be the man to sort of pick up those assists when Vardy scores and, and score. And you know Madison's been doing well for me a little bit. You know he's he's been getting a few goals. Uh, but you know that week where he, he um, that that week last week where the VAR goal um, got taken away from him from the penalty just just really really punished me really heavily and just shows that you know you can try and get that second man you know the second player and and, and, co- and try and cover the leading men but often unfortunately it, it doesn't always work and I guess I guess that's um kind of leads us up quite nicely on to, in terms of value and and trying to fit all these players into our team and how, how to best get the value out of your squad certainly so I've changed the slide over Nick uh, and uh, we, we've now got a, another um, artfully created slide by yours truly in about five seconds earlier on at, uh, not at work uh, during uh, working hours of course um, but it's, it's kind of just to, sh- just to show you that price and value uh, perhaps aren't aren't the same are they uh, th- I think I, I mentioned last year that they do diverge um, during the course of the season at the start we've got price and like the price that we've got to go on but over time performance means that a player's price becomes less and less relevant apart from when we're trying to find the budget to fit them in and um, other than that i guess you're looking at uh, players who are performing commensurate or over um the, the their cost um nick what is value and why is this important it's something that you very much like and your bigger the back theory is all sort of based on it isn't it yeah, exactly. So you, you've put in your picture that the value doesn't equal price, and I think it's it's plainly obvious for most of the people listening. But it is worth noting, firstly, that they're very different concepts. For instance, you know the classic example this season is Winston Reid, who, who's a very low price, but that doesn't represent value for money in FPL because he, he doesn't play. You know, value is about how much um, a player offers for the price. So we're looking at the high scoring cheap players and, and when we've done our calculations here we've um, we've uh, kept in the <coughs> we've um, removed the appearance points and added a multiplier uh, for minutes plays and the, the, the reason for this is sort of the classic example from last year's campaign which you wrote about in the uh, very good article on our website about Connor Cody who of course showed up for every single minute oh, but um, never Cody. actually showed any potential for delivering real uh, returns but apparently if you just take a raw metric um, looks better value than Zaha and Mosada. So that's why we, we 
you know, done a liberal democratic thing or whatever, <laughs> changing the data slightly. But so going back to what you asked me there, Tom, sorry, I went off a bit of tangent. Uh, value is extremely important in FPL for the main reason that we're always looking to have the strongest team possible with the budget we've been given. And I think this campaign has felt perhaps slightly different to um, the last few, perhaps reminds us a little bit of the season where we saw the likes of Riyad Mahrez and Vardy actually emerge in Leicester title winning season because of the volume of fantastic uh, value players that have really emerged in comparison with the, the high-priced duds that we have. You, you think of, um, sort of Christian Eriksen versus John Lundström as, as a great example. And then, you know, FPL managed to always trying to find the latest value pick to fit in, in our team. And, and that's what I guess we're, we're going to cover in a little bit more depth um, with, with the aid of some beautiful charts. Well, yeah, this is uh, from Ben, FPL Shiny. He's been uh, covering uh, the value uh, article that we did for this year, which is incredible. It's, it's, it's very funny that something that I just sat down and dreamt up and decided to kind of look at with, with a lot of help from a statistician friend of mine. Um, is something that people actually are interested in but I think using that Connor Cody example that really illustrates why I thought this was worth looking at and looking at in a in a deeper way just because I think a lot of the time people just literally said right points divided by price equals their value and with a player like Connor Cody zero shots um, the whole season last season despite playing every minute on a lot of the value kind of um analyses that I saw analyses um he was coming out as fantastic value and I was just thinking that's absolute rubbish like there's got to be a better way of looking at it hence this was born um just for those listening this chart um you may have seen it on twitter as well from FPL shiny basically displays um the scatter of uh, every player in FPL and it kind of charts them against uh, charts basically how valuable they are and as you can and Lundstram obviously an absolutely huge outlier uh Vardy a, a very large outlier as well um but I think the distribution is quite interesting because you have all these players a lot of the dots that aren't labeled they're just I don't know the I don't know what, what, what word I'd use the reservoir the dumpster of all those FPL players that we're just not interested in they're in the game but are never going to get a mention players like Bernard um but there are kind of that group of players who do flit in and out of that kind of the middle bit, the bit that we're interested in, um, who are providing value for their money. Um, so who's the top 20, Nick? So, yeah, the uh, the, uh, the main man, the leading man, obviously, is John Lundstrom. So he's um, got 75 points so far, 47 individual points. He's now at 5 million. And even with that 1 million rise that he's had from 4 million, he's still the uh, the best value player in the game. So if you don't earn don't own John Lundstrom and you, you've missed the boat for some reason on all those points earlier on in the season, um, you've still got plenty of opportunity to get this guy in because he still represents fantastic value for money um, with a sort of a ratio of 9.16. Um, but second is, is Vardy. So Vardy, even though he's expensive, he's 9.8 million, just by the virtue of the amount of goals he's getting, he, he's still he's still the key man. He's still the um, the second best value player in the game. Obviously, sort of John Lundstrom's a bit of a freak occur uh, thanks to some dodgy uh, dodgy pricing by uh, FPL Towers. But Jamie Vardy is, is second there. I think the other thing I'd like to quickly call out is um, some sort of wise moves on, on actually giving you some praise for a change as, as opposed to abuse, Tom, because oh, nice. I normally give you plenty. I normally give you plenty of abuse when it comes to your FPL team, but I wanted to highlight the, the Leicester defence and the fact that they're really high on this chart and they've actually um, been better value for um, than the midfielders. And I know you made a move... Um, last week or the week before to swap out Tiedemann for Chilwell and um, 
that move actually when you look at this chart looks like a fantastic value um move to make and i know it enabled you to bring in son and get those points as well so it's a, it's a great example there of using the data and the value data to to make an informed decision on your team that can really deliver for you yeah, I absolutely love uh, Chilwell. I think that he's basically Robbo Light in some ways. If you look at his chance creation, I think he was two or three beneath Madison, which is pretty crazy. I think Madison created 99 chances last season, far and away the most chances of any player. And this year you've got a left-back behind him, or left-back in name, I suppose. Um, so I thought he was really interesting. Pereira, um, despite the high price, coming in third, having that sort of luxury differential up there. Like, if I could have got him in, I would have got him in, to be honest. I just think there's something... That there's something about him that sort of converted uh, converted wing back I really like and if you watch them play like he's often so advanced and he and Vardy have a, a pretty good understanding which is quite a strange one actually if you think about like, the FIFA uh, the foot sort of relationship does the right back ever have a relationship with the striker and fancy in the football manager that doesn't happen either but at Leicester it does uh, also some observations of mine here where are the midfielders I mean we're all fetishizing three five two at the moment but looking at value again obviously just there's lots of lots of lots of data sources out there and there's and this is part of not the full picture but within this particular metric there are only two in the top 20 who are kdb and my cousin todd um it looks to be nick all about defense which is great because these players they play the team cited in this leicester um mainly uh, get points and bonus as well as attacking returns and that also explains why dunks in there why lundstrom's in there elsewhere last year's hero jimmy is still holding strong um, and Pookie, Vardy and Rashford are all, all good. So, you know, we've all jumped off Pookie, but really given the price he starts at and the price he is now, he's still pretty good value for money. Um, he appears, for example, in many dead teams. So you may have seen on Twitter people say, if you made this team at the start of the season and just left it, you'd be on X thousand points and you'd be top of the world by now, by now on 100 points more than the guy who's first. Pookie appears in all those teams just because he's just such good damn value for money. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I... I I don't know. Where do you think the midfielders have gone, Nick? Yeah, they've they've completely vanished off off the face of the earth, haven't they? I mean, Cantwell's there just by virtue of being ridiculously cheap and, and pretty good at bench fodder. But um, apart from Cantwell, it's just uh, De Bruyne, um, the only one that really stands out. So uh, perhaps we're due a, a death of the uh, the fourth midfielder article in the summer, or, or maybe not, because obviously this this is just one trend for this particular season, and we've seen in the past that the midfielders have been good value for money it's just it's a little bit of a, a strange one isn't it and you you do look at the midfield and you think who, who's actually been um decent in terms of that fourth midfield pick and people are asking me to uh for you know options i couldn't really think of anyone it's just the eston villa men that perhaps standing out at the moment the likes of jack Grealish, and we've seen mason mount as well but mount, um, mason mount's um, forms dropped a little bit in recent weeks so yeah and um, the midfielders seem to be struggling and it's the defenders that are sticking out you know the likes of um, the sheffield united defense not just john lundstrom but um, George Baldock as well, who's who's really high up on the charts uh, for a player that's, that's got a very, very low ownership. Yeah, certainly. Uh, also, I think he, he's the brother of Sam Baldock as well, um, yeah, Brighton hero. Uh, moving on uh, just slightly uh, to the value by position. Um, obviously, the keepers are a bit meh, um, but the defenders um, just one man obviously standing out hugely in Dunstram, who is a 
just oh, I think we've said more than we ever need to say on John Lundstrand. He's turning into the new Mo Salah, isn't he? In some ways, but just the class above, the best value player ever in FPL. But beneath him, like the most uh, one kind of anomaly, one blunder, one failure to Google over the summer from official FPL towers. Um, it's really astonishing to see Pereira and Soyuncu coming out as probably the best value players, other than their teammate Vardy. Um, it just really goes to show how defenders are consistently such good value for money which is a theme that you've kind of come back to so many times Nick it's untrue in the midfielders they've got the lowest overall sort of average value um, in that top 10 um, you know the likes of JWP coming through and Villa doing pretty well um, having two representatives within that top 10 and in the forwards you do have a lot of choice we do have a lot of choice because there are only three uh, three spots there um, but Vardy Pukki and Rashford being the, being the top three and Jimenez just behind Rashford I guess goes to show um, that at the moment if we look at things for a value sort of lens um, it's all about those sort of uh, positions other than the midfield I suppose right now but that Vardy party is, is, is amazing again here because he comes through in talisman comes through in value um, I just think he is uh, pretty much according to these kind of custom metrics the, the standout FPL option at the moment I mean there are a few people who still don't have him presumably why not? Why'd you do it to yourself? Uh, Radiohead comes on in my head, doesn't it? You do it to yourself, just you. Uh, what do you think about this, Nick? Yeah, definitely. I think I'd reiterate all, all those those points you made there. I think the defenders really sticking out in terms of the value, but also, also the forwards. Jimenez, another player that I think we neglected to mention in the talisman section, but he's the talisman for Wolves. He's you know, one of the best value picks again in the game, despite being more expensive this season at 7.7 million. You know, these these are the key guys. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned Soyuncu as well, another player that um, got a very nice price at the beginning of the season um, and has been delivering um, on the FPL uh, points. But even Pereira, though, Pereira was a player we, we scoffed a little bit, actually, didn't we, Tom? Um, if we're going to be honest, when he got given the 6 million price tag, we thought that's him out of the game alongside Matt Doherty, who was one of our favorite players from last season but both Pereira and even Doherty have been delivering in terms of those FPL points and and Doherty's six million so he's not in the charts but he's still actually um, better valued than um, a high number of those midfielders that we consider to be um, you know more important in our teams and I think when you look at value you think actually you know you could put all your money in defence. Could have put all your money in the midfield, in the in the forward line, and and sacrificed the midfield at least this season. You know, we're not saying this is the the trends going forward for FPL. We're just looking at the data from this season and then making a few um, you know informed um, opinions. Yeah, and of course, um, like as we sort of start the season, I think what's important is that value is something which kind of accumulates over the course of the season like there are kind of spots in the season again like the start of the season where value perhaps doesn't translate into points but over a longer period of time you will start to see uh, those valuable picks really start to show through as you as evidenced by those teams which are as i mentioned earlier if you pick this team you'd be uh, 100 points up on the number one in the world um but i i mean i still think the value is very important and obviously it's not static because we've uh, you know we're only a third of the way through the season there's lots of uh, clubs that could still emerge from this uh, Spurs we haven't spoken about them one second uh, for any of this and that's 
that's because they were just so rubbish <laughs> at the start of the season. But you know, under the saviour Mourinho, uh, maybe we'll see them start to intrude on the value and on, on the uh, talisman stats. Um, but you know, there's lots of players from clubs like Leicester. I think you touched on it a second ago, Nick. Um, that are just absolutely running away with these metrics just because they were so low priced and they have produced such amazing outputs this season um, I said on the pod a few weeks ago that it really reminds me of, I think, of the Leicester season when Spurs and them were just such fantastic value that it just basically made team, team value into an irrelevance because you could pack in all these players and have lots of money to spare at the moment it's not quite like that um, but still it's been it's been very very good for us hasn't it to have these sorts of guys and the guy here um, on the screen John Lundstrom is the most valuable player ever 4.0 attacking midfielder um, and Sheffield United are doing very well at the moment aren't they um, but how do you see value going going forward Nick? Well yeah it's interesting and I think you've we have really touched on Chelsea as well Chelsea being a, oh, yeah. a tied this season where their highest um, priced player at the beginning of the season was 7.5 million and that was Pulisic and you know that enabled you know all these players to emerge this season that perhaps kind of appeared from the periphery and we weren't really expecting to deliver such as you know Mason Mount and, and Tammy Abraham and um, Tamori as well um, another player that was only priced at 4.5 million and sort of um, became Sort of has, has become key in that Chelsea um, defence, but um, yeah, I mean, value, you know, value is an ever-changing picture as well. Um, you know, looking at the, the graphics, I think um, what I kind of noticed was at the beginning of the season. You know, we're basing it on the current price as opposed to the price at the beginning of the season. So Abraham is now seven point nine million, and when I think about bringing him back in, um, perhaps at the expense of Rashford, I was quite surprised actually to see him on current um, price. Um, Rashford's now become better value than Tammy Abraham and that's not something I was really expecting to see um, in the data because I was thinking no I could bring it back Abraham and you know spread the value and have more value in my team but according to the data that's not an accurate statement to make because even at sort of 0.8 million more expensive Rashford's now has become better value than Tammy Abraham and uh, you know that feels like a strange thing to say based on Abraham's form this season but that's because of the uh, the price rises he's had. Yeah uh, we, yeah, we should have mentioned Chelsea, shouldn't we? I think you know, Tamori doesn't actually show up in the defenders. Abraham does kind of nudge into the forwards, and Mount actually is in the top ten for midfielders at the moment. But I think that's a bit of a, a legacy nostalgia pit to some extent. I mean, I have sold him, so I would say that. Um, so it would be interesting to see if he can keep it up over the course of the season. I think that he's been there. Uh, I think he's been found out a little bit as I said on the hub uh, yesterday. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, it'd be interesting to see how how both of these sort of metrics develop over the course of the year presenting them a third of the way in is always a bit dodgy it's always it's always it's kind of like saying we've got a low base like you know at the start of the season everybody was saying we've got a low base we can't make any decisions so at least we certainly were um probably why we lost loads of listeners actually because we weren't being decisive but um it's still the case now these things do come with a hefty health warning but they are really interesting i think just to see how uh, the fpl game is evolving as the season rolls forward um and yeah it'll be interesting to see what sort of teams emerge from it Anything more to say on these two things, Nick? Uh, nope. I think um, I think it's quite interesting to say as well. Obviously, with the midfielders, there's it's more of a selection. It feels like compared to some of the other positions. For instance, on the forwards line, I was entertained to see uh, Callum Wilson sort of make the list in terms of the best value uh, forward oh, picks. 
appearing at 10 um, in 10th position was still a value of 3.82 but you know by that point in midfield as we're looking at 4.31 the likes of uh, James Ward Prowse uh, somehow making the charts as well but at least there seems to be more value across a range a larger range of the midfielders compared to forwards where perhaps we're kind of siloed in between sort of five to six true um, actual picks maybe we said it so much but the word value has lost all meaning to me now value value it's a bit of a strange one isn't it anyway um we've got a couple of questions to talk about as well and we'll take some questions from the chat uh, just so we can uh, relate things to the now um the first thing to talk um and i should probably say actually at that point i'll put um, some of these data things on Twitter as well, so people can see them and read them at their leisure. Um, but hopefully, yeah, I think this was quite a nice medium. Hopefully, to make it work uh, next time, we'll be a little bit more chill when we do it. It's the first time we've done it for a while. Um, that's what I said to my girlfriend when, when we first got together. Anyway, um, the first question uh, this week is from Rob White. Um, he asked, "Is it is now the time to swap non-playing bench warmers for cheap but likely starters ahead of the festive period to counter Christmas rotation?" Um, I think before even turning over to you, Nick, I think the answer is yes. Um, but I'd also note that a lot of people do have uh, strong benches at the moment by default. And actually, like I'm a good example of this. I've got really lucky. Um, I've got Martin Kelly on my bench. I've got Todd Cantwell on my bench. And I've got uh, Soyuncu on my bench. I and mean, Soyuncu is one of those players I'm, I'm very happy to have. 4.5 million can come off the bench if I need him. The other two were junk three weeks ago absolute junk like James on Planet FPL said that was the worst signing of my season buying Campwell like Kelly I bought him as a frankly a you'll do on my wild card uh, again there's a there's a girlfriend joke there um, but like they've suddenly become viable starters like this evening Kelly kept a clean sheet with 10 men um, which is uh, pretty damn good despite being an incredibly limited player at 4.1 um, his price is only going to go up isn't it and Campwell just again seems to have rediscovered his form and as you saw in the uh, in the talisman data in the value data he's actually showing up and of course he will for 4.5 as a start price 4.6 now although Muggins here bought him at 4.8 so I've lost 0.2 on my cousin so far uh, so yeah I think it it's always useful to have the bench warmers over Christmas. What I would say is that Christmas rotation we saw last year got really, really overstated and there was lots of panic about it. And actually, most of the time, we only ever got to the third sub, I think, once. Most of it was just one guy um, having a break every now and again. So really, it, it wasn't as bad as it was made out to be. It wasn't the nuclear Armageddon. It wasn't sort of a Brexit level sort of thing going on. Uh, Nick, what do you think to answer to Rob's question? Uh, yeah, I'd agree with you there. I think it's always good to have a full strength um, bench. And I don't really think there's much of an excuse this year to have those non-playing players with so many cheap options out there. I mean, you might be able to get away with one type Winston Reed character, perhaps 3.9 million on your bench. But it really isn't that much of an investment to bring in the likes of uh, Rico just to sit there and accrue nine points a week in, week out on your bench or or, you know, Cousin Todd, as you said, or even if you're really heavily um, strapped for cash, um, I shoved Isaac Hayden in there at 4.4 million on my wild card. But I think a lot of us are playing week in, week out now with a sort of 12 to 13 man squad. And I think it's quite useful. It does, um, it kind of does annoy um, managers a little bit when you've got to kind of think about, oh, do I play Soyuncu or do I play Lundstrom or Tamori? And we have, keep having to make these decisions week in, week out. And it does create a bit of a selection dilemma, but it is 
um, does also provide a little bit of comfort um, to have those sort of backup bench options um, to come on in the case of emergencies if one of your starting players doesn't play and you know you don't want to be in a situation where you've only got 10 men um, showing up in the game week so I think you know you're only looking at you know, perhaps 0.2, 0.3 million extra cash just to have, you know, a few players on the bench that will come on and do a job for you. Yeah, certainly. And a big shout out to our friend FPL Stag here, um, who um, seems to have consistently managed to bench one or two players who have gotten between them double figures um, week in, week out. It just kind of goes to show kind of the, the ultimate extension of what you're saying that all the clubs, uh, sorry, everyone's team should have what two of those players. And you know, for example, people are benching Mount this week and playing Campwell. Like we've just got into a situation where there's very little, there's a lot of value in the cheap seats, um, and it means that there's all these sorts of options to do a job for you in a budget-friendly way. Um, and yeah, I just, I just think that it's, it's worth doing. But you know, I wouldn't be killing myself. I wouldn't take a minus four or something to sort out your bench now. I think it's something you can manage over the course of time because we've barely seen um, kind of the need to go to that third bench. I think as long as you've got one or two, you're probably okay. But for, you know, for example, for me, I've, I'm just. I'm, some weeks this week Soyuncu is on my bench because I literally have no way of fitting him into my team which is kind of not how I like to play I like to play with like a, an obvious bench um, but no, um, I think it's quite nice as well to have that extra insurance isn't it uh, moving on to Tom at FPL Centre um, his question is ahead of an always busy Christmas period um, mental stamina in FPL uh, what tips and tricks do we have to make sure our decision making stays sharp with so many game weeks coming at you like a freight train um nick what do you do you just turn off don't you uh yeah i, I managed to manage it i think we, we can complain about mental stamina but i think the the actual footballers have to go through a lot more than, than what we have to do so i, I think um, we, we can't complain too much but i think um you know when you're trying to manage your team and then figure out what the hell you're doing it's always worth um looking at the the five-week forecast, as I would put it, and, and seeing what's happening with each of the players you're thinking about transferring in and out, um, just to you know, just to keep your eye on the fixtures and, and what's going on, and, and think about any other competitions the players are in as well, because um, obviously um, it's worth highlighting the, the Liverpool blank at, at this particular moment in time in game week 18, and that's the kind of thing that might catch a few managers off guard when they're kind of making their changes. They might think, oh, Liverpool great team to triple up on but you know that game week 18 is such a horrific game week you know so bad, um, Spurs, I think uh, City play Chelsea and Spurs play Leicester and it's just going to kill the entire of your team essentially so you know that's the kind of thing at this sort of fixture congestion just to have that in the back of your mind I think actually um, you know I could be thinking about doubling up on Sheffield United, for instance, because they've got a really nice round of five fixtures. Newcastle, Norwich, Villa, Brighton, Watford. So, you know, really puts the likes of Lise Musay or even, you know, a double up in defence. Um, you know, looks like a quite a decent idea at this particular moment in time. Or, or even um, another Wolves player as well for that week because um, they play Norwich. I think they're one of the only teams with a decent fixture. Or... Um, Aston Villa, actually, as well. Another one, perhaps, to mention. They play Southampton at home that week. So, you know, you could be looking at Grealish. You could be looking at uh, McGinn to, to fit a slot in your team. So, I think that's that's one thing I would say. You know, this, this is really you know, hard periods for all the FPL um, teams because of all the fixtures, all the congestion and, um, you know, for the managers as well. We, we just need to have that in the back of our mind just to know 
just to note that you know the games are coming thick and fast but just keep an eye in terms of what's happening over this christmas period for each club yeah and i think this is also a time when you start to favor those sort of players that you know both have the the points potential in their locker and they're pretty much undroppable uh, and, ret- and unrotatable, I suppose. So the likes of Jamie Vardy, the likes of Wolf Zaha, I'm still going to be flogging that horse until he gets until he gets some points after tonight's uh, free pointer. There was a red card. Um, but part of the appeal of getting him in was the fixtures are very, very good and I just can't, I, I don't think Palace can ever drop him because he just offers so much to them in terms of uh, in terms of their attacking plan going forward. Um, obviously, you got to, if if Jeffrey Schlupp can shut one in, uh, but really, it is all about uh, about Zahar and what he can offer. Having a little player like that is is, is just so useful. Knowing that they're going to start is half the battle won over Christmas. And uh, yeah, uh, I think looking looking for in looking for uh, opportunities like that to bring a player like that in are very very useful. In terms of mental stamina, there, there's so much stuff going on in your in your actual life as well at this point, right? Like you know, there's Christmas parties going on. Uh, there's a, a seeing relatives going on. Okay, maybe we'll be thinking about FPR if we're seeing relatives. Um, there's a well. Lots of other distractions. Uh, so really, when you're going, when you're kind of at this point, when you're thinking about your team, as as Nick says, just try and keep an eye on what's what's happening. Um, trying to keep an eye on Twitter every now and again, but I mean, I, I I don't really get too bad around this time. It's just making sure you're awake, as Dan just said in the chat for for the deadlines to set your team properly. Make sure you set your vice captain. That's probably the key for me. Make sure you actually think about it. That's why I've done that in the past. And uh, yeah, uh, make sure you make your changes before price changes happen. Even if you are drunk, just make sure you do it. I remember one time, Nick, I was at your house for New Year's, meant to get Aguero in, fell at, uh, had 0.0, uh, fell asleep on the, in the taxi home. Uh, we just went upstairs, went to bed, woke up in the morning and he'd, wrote, he'd risen and I had to get I think it was a Matt Phillips and KDB in instead uh, to try to Riker it, yeah. Um, so yeah, try try to keep an eye on everything, but I just don't think it's that it's that much to worry about. That rotation's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Just don't worry about it. Um, and the final thing, um, I guess, is, is Spurs. We haven't really spoken to, we've spoken about them too much, and obviously well covered. Uh, but Nico asks Ali or Som from game week sixteen. <laughs> So I think um, for me, I'm actually leaning towards um, Ali. Um, I think obviously he's um, 1.3 million cheaper, but it's not just about the money and the, the value. I think Ali just he seems like a changed man. He's he's refreshed with the new manager coming in. He seems to be a little bit a little bit more confident under his belt to play that more marauding and attacking role that we saw from him in in 2016 17. I mean, I did look at the stats, and in terms of the underlying stats, the averages um, Son sort of on the fantasy football scale he has a sort of plus seven in the key metrics compared to Ali I mean Son has had twice as many goal attempts on average more shots on target and more penalty box and touch uh, more penalty box touches on average but Ali has um, had better conversion um, more goals um, on average and uh, better big chances and he, he does seem like he's, he's converting those chances when he gets them and uh, and he's just he's, he's looking he's looking refreshed um He's got that sort of fighting spirit that he, he seems to have lacked in the last couple of years. So I think for me, I, I would go for Ali, um, but um, I don't know what you think. I know you, you're a son owner, Tom. Yeah, what a very. I think this has again been done to death. I basically just default to whatever James from Planet FPL says on the, on Spurs these days. But um, I think that either is a good pick. Um, Ali is just such good value for money um, that he just gives you something which 
um, he gives you that extra sort of flex if you need it. Uh, Son is a little bit more expensive, which can be a bit annoying for people. Um, and um, I've uh, Alex Ball was just asked in the chat, am I tempted to flip Son for Ali? The answer is I would be if I needed the cash. Um, but to some extent, like I think the quotes from Mourinho um, before he joined Spurs and what a number ten was were really telling. It was uh, he has to be at nine and a half, uh, nine and a half going forward and eight and a half uh, when they don't have the ball. Um, and in that shadow striker role, um, Ali is basically out of position, isn't he? Uh, which is pretty damn good, um, and he is very very good at finishing as well you saw that take from the out from the toby uh the toby crossfield break ball um yeah i'm uh i do really like ali and i really wish i did go for him uh the reason that i went for son is that i love son and also my cousin um who is one of my main mini league rivals bought in ali to, a week before so i kind of thought to myself okay i know that mark's got ali i'm gonna go son and try to differentiate there and really i should have kind of thought about the wider fpl sort of thing about it but i mean i'm happy with son i think over the next kind of few weeks he will uh, match ali or hopefully outscore ali it's just the case that if you kind of throw in value for money um ali is pretty even to son isn't he um I can see myself doubling up, to be honest, um, I, just because there's that kind of lovely triple of fixtures uh, between 19 and 21, where they play Brighton, Norwich and Southampton, and plus that Chelsea game as well in game week 18. He scored a, I remember him scoring a brace for me mm. a few years ago against them. I think he's got quite a good record against them, and then no great shakes at the back. So it could well be that he get, that he comes in. It's just, where, where's the space going to be? How am I going to get that guy in? So I just don't know, but I really, really like those two. I think they could very, very easily be uh, in in many people's teams as a nice little double up sword. Cool. Uh, any questions from chat? I will cut this bit out of the uh, of the audio. Did you see it again? Yeah, I think Andrew Martin's asked us about KDB and whether we can just go with him as the only City coverage. Um, I'd probably say yes. Um, at the moment, there's there's not too many options in the defence. And Gabriel Jesus is an option, uh, presenting himself as an option as a, in the forward line, but I'm not sure how he fits in sort of the Vari Jimenez, Rashford, Abraham moles because of his, he's a little bit more expensive than those guys. He's, he's not too highly owned, so I'm not overly worried about him scoring or getting returns. Um, when you look at ownership, I think in the, in the midfield, it's obviously De Bruyne, and you do worry about the, the minutes and the... Uh, Bernardo Silva and Rian Mahrez to make them and David Silva to make them real FPO options and, and Sterling he's got to go unfortunately for me he's on his way out uh, probably will put De Bruyne in we'll talk about that a little bit more in transfers and captains but um, I think definitely you can probably get away with the one one city option at the moment yeah I, I think you can as well Nine point, I paid 9.5 for De Bruyne um, I mean obviously a blank tonight but I, I just don't I just don't know though. I just don't see any reason to remove him. Uh, but another guy tonight, uh, David Silva, two assists. Obviously, the second assist was a classic FPL assist. I don't know if he still got it, um, but he's so cheap, isn't he? That if you in a situation like we are at the moment with a decent bench, obviously Alex has mentioned him as well. Um, if you are not going to be captaining, couldn't he? He's a really good option, isn't he? You can just kind of shove him in seven point four, seven point five, wherever it is. And if you if he doesn't play, you've got Campwell or something like that coming off. Um, I guess it might be kind of slightly, uh, slightly decent uh, as as a, as a pick if you're not captaining, but it's not too bad. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't particularly like their fixtures um, either with Manchester City. So I think it is a relatively decent time to, to kind of try and not cover them. You know, they've got United. I don't know, you see Arsenal was an easy match for them, plenty of goals there. But then they've got Leicester at home in that game with KT and, and Wolves away. And then Sheffield United at home, which will be another sort of tough, probably a low scoring game as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think even though sort of City appeared right at the top of those team points, I think when you talk about the talisman, KDB's demand to have and, you know, the points are too evenly shared out between the other players. I think David Silva, um, worth mentioning by virtue of his two assists tonight, but, you know, he's another player perhaps. Um, it's, it's unfair to describe him as mercurial, but in terms of FPL, he, he has been a relatively mercurial over the past couple of seasons. Cool. And uh, uh, next question, uh, James, James Harding, uh, I guess link, <laughs> linking back a second ago to the, the Spurs, so we'll answer it quickly. Uh, which two of Son, Ali and Kane would we go for? So the double up. Uh, I think it would be Ali and Son for me there. Um, I'm still not convinced by Kane. I, I don't want to go on an anti-Kane diatribe, so I get told that I'm uh, anti-Spurge, yep. I'm not. But yeah, it's got to be Ali and Kane because Kane's just too expensive. Yeah, I think I'd say exactly as I I think Son and Ali would be the t- two players um, that I would mention. Um, FPL um, chances also asked us about the attendance um, and what it's looking like for the event on the 13th. And it's worth um, giving that a quick shout out as well, isn't it, Tom? Yep, so it's the 13th of December, um, Friday the 13th, that is, a uh, lucky day for us at FPL Managers, uh, the Marlebone Sports Bar and Grill from 6pm onwards, and we've, uh, to answer Dan's question, we've got, I think it's about 60, 70 people coming, and um, I made the mistake of saying, don't tell me if you're coming, so I'm hoping there'll be more people um, who are going to show up, um, but we've got the whole back bit kind of... Um, from if you came in the summer we've got that whole kind of back bit um taken uh just just for fpl effectively so yeah it should be a really really good night i know it's also james from fpl planet who i've mentioned quite a few times i just can't stop talking about him i just, I just love him as a person um but it's his birthday that evening so we're all on the on a very very good mission to get him incredibly to acid wasted <laughs> i should say Excellent. um but yeah no it should, it should be a really really uh a really really good night all right uh let's uh just round this off for nick and talk about transfers and captains uh now, this is a bit weird, isn't it? Because obviously the game week's already happened. So this has already happened. This is already in play. Um, so what did you do? And what are you thinking of doing next week? I guess this is yeah, I don't know. About this. Have you got the team um, to show, Tom? Yeah, it's up. Yeah, it's up. Perfect. So, yeah, as you can see, I've for Captain Jamie Vardy, like pretty much every single other person in the game. So it's kind of just a pointless move there. I didn't actually make any transfers at all. I decided to roll my transfer, even though my team's been a bit rubbish. It didn't feel like the right moment with um, who was playing who in this particular game week. So, you know, I had Sterling for his fantastic three-pointer against Burnley. Um, but no um, no changes to the team. I opted to, to bench to Mori. It was a really hard decision to get again in terms of which defenders to bench and of course there's a Rico nine pointer already sitting there in my second substitute position so yeah that's what I did this week if, if we're going to talk about um, next week as well at the moment it does look like I'm going to be um, well I'm going to be using two free transfers ahead of the weekend um, possibly even a minus four I am heavily considering uh, but at the moment it looks like potentially a Sterling and Mount um, transfer out and bringing in uh, De Bruyne and Ali um, I think that's should. Um, I think that looks like a pretty decent move. Um, I'm just considering maybe a, a Rashford to Abraham move as well, but I'm not sure if that's worth it at the moment based on the analysis that we've looked at uh, today. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm considering at the moment anyway. I'm not sure about the minus four right now. Uh, but yeah, um, looks like Sterling's definitely on his way out and, and probably mounts to get to get in Ali. 
Yeah, I, I think they, I think still uh, Ali and De Bruyne sounds like a law firm, and also a very very good move for this particular uh, thing. It's going. Uh, I don't know. I think Ali makes sense being a Spurs cover. Just I don't know. KD boy, KDB uh, back in. Just uh, as I think Josh from uh, Always Cheating was saying as well. But he's like to bring him back in as well. Just raise the white flag and just bring him back in. Um, I think that kind of makes sense. So. Uh, lots of mistakes have been made by yours truly actually uh, for not bringing players back in and being too proud to to not to not do it so yeah it definitely makes sense um my team this week i did mount for zaha which obviously has worked out incredibly well um and i'm hoping that tammy abraham plays uh, tomorrow um there was a, a very very good analysis done on the training videos which showed a man fitting tammy abraham's description uh, being cropped out of a photo so i'm very very much hoping that he plays if not so on Chu will come off the bench that team is actually looking quite strong um there's no one i mean i would maybe want ali um but that seems looking pretty strong um so i'm not really too worried i think this weekend i'm gonna try to roll it i just kind of did the mount to zaha move because that i had i was in last chance saloon really i snooked myself a little bit so i bought son over ali which meant that i was at 0.0 in the bank which then meant that i had that one opportunity without breaking to Eminem one chance one opportunity uh, to, to move Mount into uh, to Zaha and I thought yeah. I'd just take it um, I don't want to hear about your sweaty palms Tom <laughs> <laughs> vomit on my spurser already mum spaghetti but I wasn't nervous um, until the uh, until the red card uh, for Zacco and then that basically uh, poo-pooed any chance I think of Zaha doing anything uh, but Zaha is not just for one game uh, it's for a long time so uh, yeah I'm, I'm very happy with uh, with the team as it stands uh, yeah right uh, well, that, that's basically it that's basically the, the whole uh, the whole stream I think in the future we'll, we'll come back and try to do something else um, just may, maybe uh, a, a bit more uh, a bit a bit less data heavy but we'll see um, hopefully it was vaguely useful hopefully vaguely interesting um, but yeah just say who we are of course we are who got this this you can find us online as you can see yeah, who got this at WGTA underscore FPL and Nick at WGTA underscore Nick we'll be back next week as normal doing a pod without being able to see our faces but we'll maybe do some more of this in the future now i can see these fancy graphics and uh, our amazing uh, friend marco has uh, sorted these out for us yeah thanks guys for listening um and thanks guys for all the um for listening on the youtube as well yeah appreciated um all the com- all the questions and uh, your feedback cheers guys oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.